If God exists and is all good, all powerful, and all knowing, then why do bad things happen in our world? Christianity teaches that God is all loving and could eliminate all evil if he wanted to, so why is there disease, death, and suffering in our world? In this episode, I'm going to discuss what is known as the problem of evil. I'm going to explain how atheists use evil to formulate arguments against God's existence, but then I will emphasize that good and evil aren't just problems for monotheism. This episode will mainly show the arguments from evil to prepare for the next episode that will show answers to these arguments. So I hope you'll stick around to explore the question of why bad things happen in a theistic world so we can eventually hear what Christianity has to say about this issue. Welcome back, everyone. In this lecture, we are talking about the problem of evil. Um, The problem of evil, I would say, is one of the biggest issues that I uh, hear people talk about when they talk about why they don't believe in uh, God's existence uh, or they don't believe in the uh, the truth of Christianity. So I think the problem of evil certainly is an important topic that needs to be discussed in any introductory apologetics uh, series or book or, or course. So today we're talking about the problem of evil, and because there's so much to talk about on this issue, uh, in this lecture I'm just going to talk about the problems that have been, the, and when I say the problems, I mean the logical arguments that a, some atheists have uh, formulated using the concept of evil to argue that God doesn't exist. So we're just going to be looking at the arguments today and explaining uh, how they're defended and and what they're talking about. Uh, And we're doing all this because we are getting ready for the next lecture, which will mainly talk about monotheistic and Christian answers to the problem of evil and and specifically also to these logical arguments that uh, some atheists have made. So that's what we're doing in this episode. We're mainly just going to be presenting arguments from evil against belief in God's existence. Now, having said that, at the end, though, I do like to emphasize that the issue of evil is not just a problem for monotheism. It's also an issue for atheism, and maybe you already realize why that's the case if you saw our... If you saw the lecture on uh, that includes the argument for God's existence uh, called the moral argument. Um, But anyways, uh, we'll be talking about that in this lecture. As always, I start uh, every lecture off with a Bible passage just to get us thinking about uh, certain topics, but also to kind of show off what the Bible says on certain things. Um, this the passage for this lecture comes from Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 through 4. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Um, there's a lot of Bible passage that, passages that touch on the problem of evil, talking about why evil exists and why it's so bad and how we should avoid it. So it's kind of difficult to sit there and try to think of one main Bible passage to use on a lecture on the problem of evil. I like this passage because it comes from Revelation talking about what is going to happen at the end of days and basically shows the state of the universe, of God's universe, after Jesus comes back. It's more of a positive, it's more of a positive uh, passage that just talks about how, you know, maybe there's bad things happening right now. We know that, right? We see that every day. But the Apostle John tells us that uh, God has promised eventually, you know, if you read Revelation, you see everything that's going on. Eventually, God makes a, a new heavens and a new earth. It's not necessarily an entirely new creation. It's more like a renovated earth. But God brings heaven down and joins the heavens and the earth together, and God's special presence will be manifested. All uh, It seems like it'll be manifested everywhere in the new heavens and the new earth. And uh, as this passage says, there will be no more death, grief, crying, or pain, and everyone's um, all all believers from all ages will be there in their resurrected bodies, and they won't ever suffer or or um, experience pain or death ever again. So it's really exciting if you're a Christian, something to look forward to, and um, I just think this is a great passage. Uh, be- now, two lectures from now, I'm going to talk about the Bible and evil. So after looking at the this philosophical problem of evil, looking at philosophical answers to it in the next lecture, the, the lecture after that, I've got, I'm going to have a lecture called The Bible and Evil. And I'm uh, after having looked at these philosophical um, answers to the issue, I'm also going to show what I think the Bible tells us about this. So we're going to come back to a passage like this, but just for now, something to be thinking about. A lot of people worry and they say, well, if God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-good, then why doesn't he eliminate evil completely? Well, guess what? Um, in the Bible, God has promised to do just that. It's just not, uh, he said that it's uh, he's allowing evil for now for a specific purpose. And that's what we're going to be looking at in that lecture, two lectures from now. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a great positive passage to focus on for this issue um, I also have questions for reflection at the beginning of all these lectures, and I've got a few for you now. Uh, if you'd like to, um, these are just uh, questions to be thinking about as we go through the material, as always. Um, if you would like to interact with me, you can always answer these questions in the comment section in a video, or if you're listening to this on a podcast, you could always go to my academic website, bcalkels.com, go to the contact form, and and maybe contact me that way, ask more questions, or, or or talk about what you think the answers are. I'd love to hear from you. Well, here's our questions for reflection. One is, have you ever thought of why there is evil in the world if God is supposed to be all-powerful and all-good? Two, how have you dealt with this thought? Three, is the existence of evil just a problem for theism? Uh, so, pretty quick, this uh, lecture, just a few questions, and hopefully... Uh, we'll, we'll be providing you answers to um, the second and third question. Uh, or, I mean, the first two questions are kind of personal, but definitely you'll be getting an answer to the third question by the time this lecture is over. 
So just to uh, be clear on what we're talking about, whenever I say the problem of evil in this lecture, I'm talking about this specific definition here. I get this definition from the textbook I used to teach my Intro to Philosophy class. It's from William F. Lawhead's The Philosophical Journey. Lawhead defines the problem of evil as the difficulty of reconciling the existence of suffering and other evils in the world with the existence of God. Okay? Uh, and that's if you ever hear someone talk about the problem of evil, they're, if, they're, uh, if it's in the context of philosophy, this is what they're going to be talking about. It's just an issue that monotheism, uh, you know, when I, you know, when I say monotheism, I mean the belief that there's one creator God who created the universe, transcends it, uh, sustains it in being. And usually monotheism uh, entails this idea that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good. Uh, well, obviously, for many centuries, uh, Western philosophers have been, have been debating this question, a lot of times throughout the history of Western philosophy, philosophers were, uh, monotheists were just wrestling with it themselves. Uh, and if you studied this um, in contemporary philosophy, you would actually find it's a big debate going on now. But you might be surprised to hear that there weren't atheists who, uh, who were um, Western philosophers that were specifically making these arguments as much until really contemporary times. There's been several notable examples in Western philosophy who've argued uh, in, in certain ways, but um, these uh, problems of evil are, and specifically arguing that this is evidence against God's existence are relatively new. Uh, usually there were just issues that, that monotheists were dealing with. Uh, well, anyways, and just so you know, throughout this lecture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to be too long-winded. I uh, specialize in the problem of evil. That's basically what I spent most of my graduate career working on. So I'm trying not to be too long-winded when I get into this. But there's an important distinction to be made between types of evil that we want to be thinking about as we go through this. This distinction will come out a lot when we talk about um, uh, not only the problems, that the logical arguments that atheists have used, but, but a lot of times this distinction comes out, especially when we're talking about the answers to these logical arguments. So anyways, um, whenever philosophers these days are talking about the problem of evil, a lot of times it's not just one kind of evil that they're talking about, okay? Um, it, it's evil of all sorts, of, all sorts, but they, they usually fit into two main categories. There's what's called moral evil and natural evil, okay? Moral evil is evil that happens as the result of human beings making choices, right? So if you see my slides here, it says moral evil, and it's defined as bad actions and their unfortunate results for which humans or other moral agents are morally responsible. Natural evil is basically like things like hurricanes and disease and, and dying of natural causes and things like that, right? My slide says natural evil, and it defines it as the suffering to humans and animals resulting from natural causes such as genetic defects, diseases, earthquakes, and tornadoes. Okay, so if you ever hear me say moral evil, I'm, I'm talking about evil things in reality that are the result of human free will choices. When I talk about natural evil, I'm talking about things that uh, hurt human beings or animals, uh, usually uh, events that happen in nature, okay? So just some, some things to be talking about. Now, what I'm going to be showing you today is uh, 
a specific example of what's called the logical problem of evil. Then after I explained this one example, I was going to go on to what's called the evidential problem of evil. All of this comes out of the contemporary study of the philosophy of religion, okay? And it and it can be a little advanced. And at first I worried whenever I was putting this course together to teach it at Kingdom Preparatory Academy, I worried that I was just digging too deeply into the uh, philosophical debate over this issue. You know, in a beginning apologetics class, do we really need to be looking at uh, uh, contemporary professional philosophers and their arguments? But, you know, there's a there's a, a lot of people that you'll talk to on the street will have some issue with evil, probably. I mean, it seems to be the biggest issue that I've heard people talk about if they don't believe in Christianity or if they don't believe that God exists. A lot of times it's because they're wrestling with the problem of evil. Now, they're going to have different examples and different ways of going about that, why they think that evil shows that God probably doesn't exist. But I, uh, and and so I've worried, well, I'm worried to myself, well, why don't I just answer these basic questions that you'll get more on the street and not talk about these uh, philosophical journal articles and these, these philosophical arguments. But I think that whenever you look at these, especially whenever you notice that there's kind of a distinction to be made between a logical problem of evil and an evidential problem of evil, and whenever you're looking at these arguments from these philosophers, it kind of brings out a lot of issues that maybe we wouldn't talk about if we just talked about what people talk about on the street. And also, we will probably touch on a lot of issues that, that can be answered that you will run into on the street. So I just think it's it's a good way to do it. Um, really quickly, I've, I've been sitting on the same slide for a while. And uh, on my slide right now, it, it uh, we just made the distinction between moral evil and natural evil. There's also an important distinction you want to make between logical problems of evil and evidential problems of evil, okay? And like I said, I'm going to show you a logical problem. I'm going to show you an evidential problem here in a second. A logical problem of evil, my slide defines as, the, or it's defined on my slide as the formulation of the problem of evil that attempts to show that given the existence of evil, theism is illogical. An evidential problem of evil is a little bit different. My slide uh, lists this. The formulation of the problem of evil that attempts to show that given the amount of evil in the world, theism is unreasonable. It, um, you might be thinking that these two definitions basically say the same thing, and they kind of do because they're both problems of evil, but there's a really important difference between a logical problem of evil and an evidential problem, okay? A logical problem of evil, what sets these apart is mainly they are trying to show that monotheism, the belief that in an all-good, all-powerful, all-knowing God, is is internally incoherent some way. So logical problems are problems that say that uh, monotheism is, is illogical itself. It's, in, it's internally incoherent because it holds contradictory beliefs. So it, it's wrong. Evidential problems don't try to say that theism is internally incoherent. Instead, evidential problems point at the amount of evil in the world and they say that this amount of evil in reality is incompatible with what we think would be there if God did exist, if an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-good God did exist. So therefore, theism, monotheism, is more than likely not true. Okay, It's kind of a small distinction, but the, a logical problem is saying that uh, monotheism is internally incoherent. It just contradicts itself. 
An evidential problem is just saying that it is likely that monotheism is false based on some evidence they're pointing to, okay? That's why it's called an evidential problem of evil. Well, like I said, I'll be showing you different versions of these just to give you an idea of how this is done. Um, and you would, you don't necessarily have to be an atheist to make these arguments. Maybe you could be uh, a pantheist or somebody else who's trying to prove monotheism to be wrong. So maybe you, uh, you're a Buddhist or, uh, you know, Buddhism doesn't necessarily entail pantheism. But you know what I'm saying? You don't have to be an atheist. So don't think I'm just picking on atheists here. It just so happens that these arguments from evil are formulated by two atheists. But uh, it, you obviously, you wouldn't have to be just an atheist to make these. You could, you could be a Hindu, you, you know, some, a pantheist of some kind. You could be a Buddhist, uh, you name it. But all of these arguments are against monotheism, right? Which is the basis for Christianity. So, um, anyways, having said that, the first argument I want to show you is uh, on my slide. I've got it listed as J.L. Mackey's logical problem of evil. And this formulation of the problem of evil, a logical problem of evil, by the way, like my slide shows, comes from a philosopher. Uh, he's not alive anymore, but uh, his name his name was J.L. Mackey. And uh, he wrote an article that was published in 1955 called Evil and Omnipotence. If you ever studied the philosophy of religion, uh, this is a really famous article in the debate over the problem of evil. Okay, Usually shown as the example of what a logical problem of evil is. Okay, So if you read his article, you'll see that he, how he presented it. Um, basically, he just emphasized, as these do... Uh, what monotheism says, it, and I'll read this art. I'll read this argument like it's shown on my slide. There's four premises and one conclusion. So, premise one says God is omnipotent, and you know that means God is all powerful. Number two, God is wholly good. Number three, evil exists. Number four, premise four says a good omnipotent thing eliminates evil completely. Five, therefore, God's existence is logically incompatible with the existence of evil. Um, Mackey, this is how Mackey presented it. He thought that one, two, and three, premise one, two, and three, were basically what uh, theism teaches. God is omnipotent. God is holy good. Uh, it's not that monotheism teaches that evil exists, but when you look in the world, obviously, you can see that evil does exist. And a lot of times, monotheistic religions do have scriptures that do talk about evil, right? So, evil existing is a part of uh, most monotheistic systems. However, he thought that an implicit premise, maybe not something specifically stated all the time, but something that definitely he thought easily follows uh, from 1 and 2, that God is all good and God is all powerful, is premise four, a good omnipotent thing eliminates evil completely, right? And a lot of people would think that's pretty intuitive. If, if, if God is all good, God is going to want to eliminate evil. If God is all powerful, God has the ability to eliminate all evil. So therefore, the way this argument kind of works and the way the, uh, uh, the, the person using evil as a means to argue against God's existence, the idea usually is, right, if God is all good, all powerful, then God uh, would want to eliminate evil, and God has the ability to do so. 
so you wouldn't think that evil would exist at all. But since evil does exist, given premise one and two, and given what follows from that, that a good, a good omnipotent thing eliminates evil completely, you've got a contradiction here. So if monotheism entails one, two, three, and four, God is omnipotent, God is holy good, evil exists, but a good omnipotent thing eliminates evil, then monotheism itself is internally incoherent because it holds contradictory beliefs. You know, it would be like uh, it would be like believing that it's it's uh, it's possible to travel north south. Uh, it would be like believing that Star Wars is both the greatest and the worst movie ever made. You know, they they just those things can't be true in the same way at the same time. And uh, it just doesn't make sense to hold two contradictory beliefs like that. Well, that's what uh, J.L. Mackey was saying is happening with monotheism. He argued that the existence of evil is something that shows that monotheism is false because it's internally incoherent. And one thing he, so after he presents this argument, he says, yeah, so you, you've got one, two, premise one, two, three, and four. Together, these make a contradiction. But the uh, monotheist, if he or she wants to get out of the problem, then he or she is going to need to eliminate one of these premises. But what he argued was, but but here's the thing, nobody is going to want to do that. You know, you talk about uh, premise number one, God is omnipotent. Uh, the monotheist isn't going to want to say that God is not omnipotent, right? Uh, because monotheism, and if you're talking specifically about Christianity, the Bible says that God created the universe. Uh, it, it talks about God's immense power in, in many places. But also, you know, monotheists believe that God created the universe from nothing, basically, right? So uh, it wouldn't, and this is something that Mackey mentioned in his article. He says the monotheist isn't going to want to give up premise one. Uh, because, but even if the monotheist did give up premise one, that God is omnipotent, then this really wouldn't make sense. How could God have created everything from nothing, but also not be all powerful. You know, it, it, he just argues, yeah, it's, you're either not going to want to give this up or, or it's not going to make sense if you do give it up. <laughs> you know, you're trying to defend God's existence. And if you give up premise one, it, you're basically changing the definition of what usually monotheists believe God is in the first place. Really the same thing happens with premise two, Nobody's going to want to give up this uh, attribute of God being all good or all loving or, or however you want to say that, right? Uh, in the philosophical debate, it gets really technical, and it, it is important what you mean when you say God is all good, and it is important. There is a distinction between being all good and all loving, but anyways, uh, I'm not going to go into that deep into the distinctions. But generally, uh, monotheists don't want to give up premise two, right? Uh Mackey mentions that you can give up premise three, that evil exists, and some people have tried to do this in certain ways. Um, if you look in the history of the debate, and we'll kind of, I don't remember if we're going to talk about this in the next lecture, but some, some uh, monotheists have had something called a uh, privation view of evil, and that's where they say that evil uh, does exist in reality, but it's a privation of the good. So although it does exist, it, it doesn't have, it's not substantial. Um, you know, honestly, we don't need to talk about that. Really, uh, the, the monotheist usually isn't going to want to give up number three because either if the monotheist gives this up, uh, it's either just basically a blatant 
a blatant omission of basically what everybody can see when when we go out into the world or it's just dishonest you know uh, evil obviously does exist in this world there's bad things happening all the time people do it to each other and also we can see natural bad things that we seem to be bad to us as well like people dying and getting sick and and you know children getting cancer and all sorts of stuff like that so generally the, the monotheist isn't going to want to give up number three uh without being ad hoc or or just without de- being in denial right um so premise number four is uh where it gets tricky Premise 4 says a good omnipotent thing eliminates evil completely. Now, in, in his article, Mackey doesn't necessarily explain um, the options for this one. And I think he just mainly... Uh, he did argue that it should be a premise in the in his argument. It does follow from theism. So, generally, what, he's, what he meant... And he, he just didn't spend time on this one like he did the others. But... Um, I think it's because he had already established that he thinks this is what falls from it. And generally, right, uh, monotheists are going to say that, yeah, since God is all good and all powerful, he not only he not only wants to eliminate evil, but he can. So here's the issue. If you, if you go with all four of these, it seems like there's a contradiction. And, um, and monotheism is... Uh, contradicting itself internally incoherent right uh, the the beliefs that monotheism entails don't go with each other if is what Mackey was saying so after talking about your options for eliminating all these he you know he's he mentioned usually the monotheist doesn't want to get rid of any of them he said well let, let me before i conclude my my uh, article he talked about what he called fallacious solutions to this uh, to these issues uh, and if you see, can see my slides, it says evil. His his list of what he called fallacious solutions to this logical problem are evil is necessary. There a greater good defense, a variation of the greater good defense, and a free will defense. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about all four of those and and, and discuss it kind of the way he mentioned it. So uh, the first one he said he thinks it would be a fallacious solution, a a, a problematic answer basically is what he's saying to say that evil is necessary somehow you know in the next lecture you'll see answers to the problems of evil and a lot of times they will be similar to this but we'll, we'll mention why we think they work uh, so don't think that that monotheism is is in deep trouble or anything after this i'm just i'm just def- i'm just showing how Mackey defended his argument so anyways uh Mackey said that to say that evil is necessary or that evil is a counterpart, a necessary counterpart to good, is a fallacious solution, right? He says this solution is fallacious because it limits God's power, he, he thinks. If the theist attempts to say that evil is somehow necessary, or that God cannot prevent it somehow, then the theist is ultimately rejecting premise one, that God is omnipotent. Uh, Mackey also said that this answer tacitly rejects premise four, that a good omnipotent thing eliminates evil completely. Uh, because if evil is somehow necessary, then this would rule out that God would eliminate evil as far as he could. It seems the only way to fix this problem would be to alter what holy good means. And this is kind of like rejecting premise two. <laughs> so Mackey didn't think it, it made sense or he thought it was a bad solution, a solution that didn't work to try to say that evil is necessary somehow. 
Um, if you are familiar with the debate over the problem of evil, there's also something called a greater good defense. And that's a lot of times where the monotheists will say, well, God allows evil to bring about some greater good. Well, Mackey didn't think that the greater good defense works either. Um, and he mentioned it kind of like uh, evil is necessary as a means to the good. And that's you know basically what I just said. Uh, it, it's when the monotheist will try to argue that, well, God is going to allow evil as the means to reach some higher good that wouldn't come about if evil wasn't already there, right? And, well, Mackey says that this statement that evil is necessary as a means to some good seems to bind God in what he could do. Uh, Mackey thought it was like some kind of causal law that wouldn't make sense given God's omnipotence unless God were to bind himself in some way. Does that make sense? Uh, Mackey said there shouldn't be a causal law like this if God is all-powerful, so this solution is either a rejection of premise two, that God is all uh, all good, or the term omnipotence needs altering. Um, so, does that make sense? Mackey thinks that it, it doesn't work to say that God needs to use uh, evil as a means to some higher good, because this seems to be like God... If God is all-powerful, then God shouldn't have to use evil to bring about a higher good, is what Mackey is saying. If God is all-powerful, it would only make sense to say that he has to use evil as a means to uh, some higher good, only if he bound his own limitless power. So that's why Mackey doesn't think that works. Now, Mackey did say maybe there's a you could take a variation of this. Um, there's a variation on the, the greater good defense and he kind of mentioned it, it as the universe is better with some evil in it than it could be if there were no evil. Some people have tried to argue that in this debate. Uh, right? And when you think about it, uh, well, I'll mention that here in a second. But Mackey mentions that some philosophers are trying to say that evil makes the world a better place, which, of course, might sound crazy if you're, not, if you're new to this debate, but it is actually a very simple concept. So, for example, without danger, there can be no bravery. Without pain and disease, for example, there can be no sympathy or benevolence or, or, or you know, helping people out, empathy and all that. Without ugliness, we cannot truly appreciate beauty. These are some things that, that monotheists have, have argued for. Well, Mackey says that this might work for what he calls first-order evils like pain, disease, and misery. Uh, so according to this variation on the greater good defense, these... First-order evils are logically necessary for second-order goods, such as sympathy, bravery, benevolence, like I just mentioned, right? Yeah, God allows pain, God allows disease and misery to bring about second-order goods, uh, like sympathy, bravery, benevolence. However, Mackey says that there also seem to be second-order evils. You know, your first-order evils are those things, like mainly natural evils, that if these didn't exist, then you couldn't have these second-order goods. But Mackey says there seem to be second-order evils like malevolence, cruelty, callousness, and cowardice that do not seem to be logically necessary for some higher-order good, is, is how he argued. So while this solution seems to eliminate the problem with first-order evils, it leaves the problem of second-order evils and is either a rejection of premise 4 or a rejection of premise 2. Uh, premise 4 being a good omnipotent thing eliminates completely evil completely or premise two, God is holy good. Um, so really, either way, Mackey is saying that if you're using the greater good defense, he thinks you're rejecting premise two, that God is holy good. So 
So that's why he thinks those solutions don't work. Um, Now, the last one to mention, the last one that he talked about was the free will defense. And this definitely is something that you um, should know about if you are familiar with the debate in Western philosophy over the problem of evil, especially the contemporary debate. There's something called the free will defense. And a lot of times the monotheists will say that God allows evil because God wants uh, free, God wants human beings to have free will, right? Uh, a, a, a lot of times it has to do with why they think God created the universe, but they'll say God wanted human beings to have free will, and if human beings are truly going to have free will and be able to make whatever decisions they want, then God necessarily needs to allow evil, right? Because if He created human beings and force them to do what he wanted them to do, they wouldn't have free will. So uh, allowing evil is something that is necessary if you also want to allow human beings uh, to make their own choices. Yeah, and, and that's kind of how Mackey explains it as evil is due to human free will. Now Mackey thought this solution, like the others, uh, it was wrong. Now, but he mentions that this solution does seem to fix the problem to an extent so first order e- evils, the, the the lower kinds, can be explained with their logical necessity necessity in deriving second order goods. Free so for example, free will is said to be a third order good that explains all of the second order evils. I know I'm throwing out a lot of things there, but if you remember our first, what we're saying is with what's entailed with this free will defense is that you've got first order evils are things like pain, disease, misery. Second order goods come from first order evils like sympathy, bravery, benevolence. Mackey is saying it's possible that the free will defense is because if you remember, Mackey was saying the greater good defense doesn't necessarily it leaves open this issue of second order evils, things that are worse than the first order evils, and these second order evils are things like malevolence, cruelty, callousness, cowardice. Well, Mackey is saying that the free will defense seems to maybe answer all of this, provide an answer for even the second order evils. So basically, the free will defense is saying that it is better for human beings to have free will, which makes malevolence, cowardice, etc. possible than for them to be mindless automatons incapable of second order evils. However, Mackey's issue with this, because he thinks the free will defense is ultimately uh, fallacious, Mackey objects to this solution as well because he thinks there is nothing contradictory in the note in the notion in the idea that an omnipotent God could create a world in which free-willed creatures always freely choose the good and refrain from evil. Uh, this this is another case in which a holy good God should be doing something to prevent evils, but is obviously not doing so. Therefore, again, God must not either be omnipotent or holy good. Does that make sense? Mackey is saying that if you truly think that God is all-powerful, then there doesn't seem to be necessarily a contradiction in believing that God could create a world where everybody freely chooses the good. God's not forcing them to do it, but because God is all-powerful, he can create a universe where all free will beings just choose the good. So he thinks that if you use this free will defense, you're basically either denying premise one or two, that um, for some reason... You know, it ultimately leads to like the evil is necessary or the greater or the problems with the greater good defense. You're answering second order evils, but you're doing it in a way that limits God's power or seems to be a self-limiting of God's power and doesn't really make any sense. 
So uh, there you have it. This, this, this is J.L. Mackey's logical problem of evil. And what he's saying is he's, he's looking at theism, monotheism from the outside, and he's just emphasizing everything it seems to teach. And he's arguing that ultimately it contradicts itself. and It's internally incoherent. Okay, That's a logical problem of evil, and that's the way J.L. Mackey argued for it. Now, next I wanted to walk you through a evidential problem of evil. Okay, uh, The one I was going to show is another famous one in the, in the contemporary debate on the problem of evil. You definitely learn about it if you took a course on it uh, in a philosophy, uh, a philosophy course in a university or a seminary today. So uh, this one comes from William Rowe, and he published this in an article titled The Problem of Evil and Some Varieties of Atheism. Published this in 1979, and uh, William Rowe has been a big name in this debate. He's, I have always found this uh, this article, the problem of evil and some varieties of atheism, really refreshing. By the way, uh, William Rowe argued for what he called friendly atheism, <laughs> and it was basically I'll get into it here whenever I show you this this argument. But it's basically this idea that he said he said you know I can see that it's reasonable that monotheists believe that God exists. But he said, whenever I show you this this uh, evidential argument that I have, I just want this is my way of showing you that I think it's reasonable to be an atheist, is, is what he said. So he's saying that we can kind of come together and see that both of us have reasons for believing what we do. And maybe there's not a knockdown argument for either way, but but at least I have reasons for believing what I do. So he, he's very, not uh, very uh, militaristic, or crass, or in-your-face, and, and demeaning like some atheists have been, uh, like, like you know, like uh, Charles Dawkins or, or somebody like that. But anyways, um, let me show you this argument. So, like we said, this is an evidential problem, and what it's going to try to do, it not, it's not going to try to say that theism is internally incoherent. It's just going to say that the amount of suffering in the world is... Uh, evidence that theism is more than likely false okay so these premises are kind of long but there's just two premises and a conclusion but if you'll if you'll uh, bear with me i'm going to read these premise one says there exist instances of intense suffering which an omnipotent omniscient being could have prevented without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse premise two an omniscient holy good being would prevent the occurrence of any intense suffering it could, unless it could not do so without hereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. The conclusion is, therefore, there does not exist an omnipotent, omniscient, holy, good being. Okay, Um, and let me just explain these premises really quickly. Again, premise one says, there exist instances of intense suffering which an omnipotent, omniscient being could have prevented without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. What Roe here is saying is that when you look out in the world, uh, that's just a long way of talking about something that eventually became known as gratuitous suffering. Roe thinks, and, and this all comes out in premise two, maybe I should have just jumped to that first. Premise two says, an omniscient, holy good being would prevent the occurrence of any intense suffering it could unless it could not do so without hereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. Does that make sense? Premise 2 is basically a statement of both monotheism and the greater good defense. 
Uh, Roe is saying that if you had some being that was all-powerful and all-good, it wouldn't allow evil to occur unless this was to bring about some greater good or to or to at least allow or or at least to um, bring about an equal good right or god would only allow evil to occur if it was to eliminate some evil some other evil uh, that was equally bad or worse than the evil that he's allowing so does that make sense it's kind of like a statement of a greater good defense where god only allows evil to bring about a higher good or to eliminate a a worse evil uh, basically okay now, premise one, though, is saying that it, there seem to be uh, types of evil in our world that aren't, that, that don't bring about some greater good. There seem to be occurrences of evil that don't bring about a greater good or don't seem to be uh, there to eliminate some worse evil. So, uh, Roe concludes that, therefore, there is no being like we mentioned in premise two. There is no omniscient, holy, good being. Because we see this type of evil in the world. And not only do we see it, but we see it in great abundance. Um, Mackie in this, in this article is famous for bringing, uh, talking about this example uh, of a fawn uh, in a, a, a deer being trapped in a forest fire, right? And he says, well, you know, imagine that there's some fawn, some deer gets trapped, is, is walking along, mind its own business in, uh, in the forest, but there's a forest fire for some reason, not due to human beings, maybe maybe just natural causes, and the, the, the forest is on fire, and the fawn is running through the forest trying to get away from it, but a tree falls over onto the fawn. Now, the fawn doesn't die, though. The fawn uh, not doesn't die, it's just pinned down by the tree, but in the course of the forest fire, the fawn gets is trapped, and the fawn gets badly burned all over its body. So it doesn't die right away after it gets trapped and burned, but it suffers over the course of three or four days. Eventually it does die. Mackey is saying that an example like this seems to be an instance of intense suffering that God would uh, that God wouldn't allow because, Mac, uh, oh, I hope I didn't say Mackie. Roe, uh, Roe's issue is that if this happened to the fawn, what, what good could possibly come from from that fawn suffering for three or four days? Does that make sense? Like, yes, a fawn, uh, you know, uh, animals dying in the woods happens all the time, and oftentimes their bodies either get eaten by some other animal. Or their bodies just decay and become uh, fertilizer, basically, right? And it actually helps the ecosystem as a whole. But that's not the issue. It's not necessarily the the fawn's dying that's the issue. It's the suffering of the fawn before it died. Mackey's Mackey's, uh, issue is that what greater good could possibly come from that? What greater evil is being prevented if the fawn suffers for three or four days? And Mackey is arguing that this is what we would call gratuitous suffering, suffering that shouldn't be allowed to occur if God is all-knowing and all-powerful because there doesn't seem, like we said, to be some greater good that's coming out of it or some equal uh, or or worse evil that's being prevented. And uh, now, having said all this, Mackey isn't saying that he has proof that something like this has happened before. Um, he's What he mentions is that uh, he doesn't know 
for one, you know, how are we supposed to know if for, if for sure there was no uh, purpose to it? But also, you know, he doesn't have a camera that shows a, a fawn suffering in the woods for three days. But he says, but when you look at the natural history of the earth, it's easy to conclude that something like this has happened because animals die all the time. There's evidence in, you know, in the fossil record and what we see today that animals get cancer animals eat each other i mean there's all sorts of you know nature red and tooth and claw and all that uh, a lot of uh, seemingly horrible things happen to animals on a daily basis in this world and Mackey's arguing that it would be easy to conclude that something like what happened to the fawn has happened many 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 times over in the natural history of the earth so roe is arguing that all of this builds up to a, a huge mountain of evidence against the existence of God. So given that there seems to be a lot, a large amount of gratuitous suffering in the world, it is likely that God does not exist, okay? Now, Roe uh, goes on to mention, you know, how would, as a monotheist, how would you answer this problem? Uh, he says, he says that, well, it's in regard to both premise one and two. Rose says that since premise two will likely be accepted by most theists, um, if you're going to directly reject any one of these premises, it's most likely going to be two. Um, Rowe mentions a couple solutions similar to the ones that Mackey mentioned when Mackey was talking about his logical problems. And uh, Rowe says that there is a direct and an indirect way to reject premise one. So a direct rejection of premise one might involve um, the, the concept that God allows evils for greater goods such as spiritual development, something known as soul making, if you've ever heard the term. Uh, maybe God allows uh, evils in this world for, for spiritual development reasons. Another direct solution uh, of rejecting premise one that Roe mentions is that maybe some suffering results from human free will and could only be prevented by limited human freedom. Um, and in fact, some monotheists I've read have actually done things like this. And even, even with the example of the fawn burning in the woods, I've heard monotheists argue that well, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any reason why the fawn would suffer for three days before it died. But but uh, monotheists will argue, well, don't forget that uh, monotheism also entails that there's angels and demons. And maybe the uh, suffering of the fawn was caused by demons, the free will choices of demons. So, um, you know, whether you, you talk about those, a couple of those uh Mackey says, yeah, you could probably directly uh, reject premise one by mentioning some of these. Maybe God allows uh, all this natural uh, evil to occur and obviously also um, allows moral evil to occur. What seemingly looks like horrible, horrendous, gratuitous suffering might be there for soul-making reasons. So, uh, as we view this world full of what looks like gratuitous suffering, even though there might it might not be bringing about some greater good or preventing some evil just as bad, uh, the soul-making that comes from it, the maturing process, the spiritual maturing process that human beings get from viewing all this and experiencing all this evil is, in, a, in another way, a, a greater good that's being brought out. Or maybe it's, it's, it's all occurring because of free will 
choices of human beings and, and maybe even angels and demons. Now, having said that, another interesting, because, you know, Mackey doesn't think that really anybody's going to reject premise two in this argument. He thinks most people think that if God would allow evil, it would need to be for a good reason. So that's why he said mainly the the rejection of this argument from the monotheist is going to come from rejecting premise one. Now, a, an interesting thing that he that Roe does is that he talks about um, a, a way that monotheists and this this is Roe really explaining why he thinks it's reasonable to be both either a monotheist or a uh, an atheist. Obviously, he himself argued that that atheism is more than likely true to him. Um, but he said, you know, just just like how similar to how the problem of evil is formulated in the first place, uh, a good omnipotent thing would eliminate evil unless it had a good reason. But there is a bunch of evil that looks like a, a good omnipotent thing wouldn't allow. Therefore, God doesn't exist. Roe mentions that as a monotheist, you could kind of flip the argument on its head and, and use... Uh, use the idea of what monotheism teaches to kind of show that there shouldn't be a problem in the first place. Uh, he called this an indirect solution to his evidential problem. And Roe formulated it like this, and, and you actually end up just kind of flipping some of the things that his argument said. Um, so in an indirect, this would be an indirect solution to the evidential problem, and he formulated it as a as a new argument coming from uh, his hypothetical theist. So premise premise one in this new uh, indirect solution to the problem says, there exists an omnipotent, omniscient, holy good being. Premise two says an omniscient, holy being would prevent the occurrence of any intense suffering it could, unless it could not do so without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some, e- some evil equally bad or worse. The conclusion... Therefore, it is not the case that there exist uh, instances of intense suffering which an omnipotent, omniscient being could have prevented without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. Does that make sense? What Roe is saying is that to indirectly answer his evidential problem, you could basically say, well, when we look at these situations like with the fawn getting burned in the woods, we can't see, we, we look at it and we go, well, I don't, it doesn't seem like we can see for ourselves or know if this suffering really does have some higher purpose or if it really is preventing some some evil that's equally uh, equally as bad or, or worse. But he says if you you know a monotheist could say though because the monotheist has reasons to believe that there does exist an omnipotent omniscient holy good being and because they, they think that uh, an omniscient, holy, good being would eliminate evil without a good reason. That means, therefore, that even though we can't be for we can't be certain, we just need to conclude that there is no such thing as gratuitous evil. So, uh, anyways, that was that was Mac. Uh, I, I hope I haven't been saying Mackey. That was uh, Rose' um, ways of saying how you could kind of answer his. And of course, at the end of the day, in his article, he concluded that yes, he thought that atheism is, is a better position to hold. He thought when you look at all the evil in the world, it seems to uh, provide evidence that monotheism likely is not true. Okay? So I hope I haven't sh- shook you up if you are new to this debate, uh, but just know that there's going to be a lot of answers coming, okay? Um, and like I said, in the next lecture, we're going to talk about something that's, we're going to talk about solutions to the problem of evil. I'm going to make a distinction between what people say and 
because there's different labels for different types of solutions. But usually when you're talking about an answer to the problem of evil from a monotheistic standpoint, the answer will be called a theodicy. And uh, if you can see my slide, it says uh, it lists theodicy, and it's defined as the attempt to justify God's permitting evil to occur in the world. Okay, So a theodicy basically is a monotheist trying to give reasons for why we think that God does allow evil. And a lot of things that I've mentioned uh, are, do provide uh, theodicies, are examples of theodicies. But there's a couple that we haven't mentioned, and this is what I'm going to be getting into in the next lecture. So there is something called the greater good defense. There is something called the free will defense. There's also something I didn't mention called the natural order defense, and there's something else called skeptical theism, which I've always enjoyed. I thought it was kind of a funny label for it. But we're going to talk about these, greater good defense, free will defense, natural order defense, skeptical theism in the next lecture. And I'm going to be explaining to you all these monotheistic answers to the problem of evil, and why we think these do answer both logical and evidential arguments, okay? But that's 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 a lot for another lecture, right? What I wanted to finish this lecture out doing is talking about what we would call the problem of good. because But just because someone thinks that evil disproves God's existence uh, doesn't mean that all the burden is on the monotheist to show that this this is prob that this isn't a problem for monotheism. I wanted to point this out because sometimes people forget about this. And this is what I mentioned at the beginning of the lecture. The thing is, there's something that and this actually could be called the problem of evil as well. It's just that whenever someone mentions the problem of evil, it usually the first thing that will come to your mind is that this is an issue for monotheism. But what monotheists have brought up is something called the problem of good. The problem of good is, is something that monotheists say is, is an issue for atheism. If you remember going all the way back to those lectures where we talked about the moral argument for God's existence, what we argued was that if morality is objective, then God must exist because morality can't be objective if God does not exist, right? Uh, whether you're talking about moral values and duties uh, yeah, whether it's moral values or moral duties, it doesn't matter. If you believe that, that morality is objective, then you must also believe that God exists. Well, maybe you've realized this, maybe you haven't. But what the monotheist is arguing is that the atheist, in formulating problems of evil against God's existence, is using a concept that could only exist, could only actually be grounded and be a thing, can only be objective, let's say, uh, if God exists. Does that make sense? Now, I do want to stop and make a distinction, though. If you're talking about a logical problem of evil, someone that's saying that uh, monotheism is internally incoherent, then the problem of good isn't going to apply to that because the atheist or whoever is just examining monotheism and saying that this system seems to be internally incoherent. So if someone's making a logical problem, then you can't really use the problem of good to answer them back. But if someone is making an evidential problem and saying, look, I think when I, you know, whenever I look out in the world, I see all this evil and that's obviously bad. Uh, it seems to serve as evidence that theism is more than likely false. This is where you emphasize the problem of good and say, maybe even present the moral argument for God's existence and say, well, here's the thing. Here's a problem with saying that ev the existence of evil disproves God's existence. 
The problem is that if evil truly does exist, objective, you know, because we're because when you talk about something being bad, right? When you say that uh, people ought not to die, or uh, there ought not to be hurricanes or tornadoes or disease, there ought not to be pain. You're saying how the world ought to be, and this is an this is a moral value you that you have. You're saying the world ought to be this way rather than another. If you're arguing that objectively and saying that's just how reality should be, there shouldn't be death, there shouldn't be suffering. If you're saying that morality is objective, the problem is that can only be objective if God exists. So it can't possibly uh, disprove God's existence because God would need to exist for the concept of evil to be objective in the first place. If they don't think that morality is objective, if moral values and duties are objective, then Basically, they would be presenting an argument against God's existence using some subjective statement like, you know, uh, people shouldn't die. Well, if I say people shouldn't die or disease is bad, and I mean that subjectively, like morality is relative to the individual, then I'm just giving my opinion and my preference. But how could my opinion or my preference objectively disprove the existence of God? It can't. You can't say, well, I don't, you know, I don't like the taste of this food, so therefore God doesn't exist. That's silly, right? Uh, people need to use objective evidence to prove that God objectively doesn't exist if that's what they want to do. You can't use subjective evidence, some some opinion that you hold, to uh, conclude that God objectively doesn't exist in reality, right? And that's what's happening here. If, the, if someone is making an evidential problem, you say, well, why do you believe in objective good and evil in the first place? Because if you believe in those things, you must also believe in God. Well, if they say, okay, well, never mind then. I'm, I think it's all relative. When you say, well, then now that you're trying to prove that God doesn't exist using your opinion. So either way, it's problematic for you. Okay, so that's something to remember. Uh, the problem of evil isn't just a problem for, for theism. It's also a problem for atheism because good and evil can't even exist unless God exists. Uh, so I, I jumped ahead of my slides, but I've got the problem of good defined as the emphasis by theists that atheism has no grounds to make moral judgments and therefore has no positive argument for atheism regarding good and evil. Um, and yeah, so and there's our there's the two points I, I made. The atheist says the existence of evil is evidence against theism, but the existence of evil is only possible if God exists. So, just something to be thinking about. Uh, it's really, you know, maybe not too many people realize it because you get caught up just wanting to defend uh, monotheism. But you need to remind them that if they're using the evidential problem, then either God exists or they're just trying to uh, use subjective reasons for disproving God's existence, which, which doesn't work because that's just their opinion. Another thing I wanted to mention has to do with something that's called the God hypothesis. Um, my slide here, I have the God hypothesis listed as a term used by scientifically minded people who emphasize that the claim that God exists is scientifically testable. Um, if you've ever heard of Victor Stanger, Victor Stinger or Richard Dawkins, okay, Oh, I think I called him Charles Dawkins earlier. I, I, I don't know why, but I, I often have a problem, um, oftentimes have a problem remembering his, his name for some reason. But uh, Victor Stanger, Richard Dawkins, okay? 
Stenger wrote a book called God, the Failed Hypothesis. Dawkins wrote a book called The God Delusion. In both of these works, these men talk about God's existence. They call it the God Hypothesis. The thing is, they're really scientifically minded people. And a lot of times, really scientifically minded people think that most things are scientific questions. I would argue that God's existence is not a scientific question. It's a philosophical question. But anyways, uh, you can kind of uh, humor someone a little bit to an extent. So like when you're talking about the problem of evil, if someone says, well, um, you know, oh, so you're talking about the God hypothesis. Well, let's look at what we see in reality and test that up against the theory that an all good God exists. You know, that, that's basically like I, I've got that that definition for uh, God hypothesis right there saying it's a it's a. It's the idea that the claim that God exists is scientifically testable. Okay. Oftentimes what happens is, and this especially comes out in the debate over the problem of evil, the atheist will say, okay, well, let's, let's imagine that there is an all good, all powerful, all good God. As a hypothesis, we're going to want to make predictions from that hypothesis, and we're going to want to test these predictions against what we see in reality. And what they'll say is, well, Okay, so let's pretend, you know, let's imagine that an all good, all powerful all God exists. What kind of world, what kind of evidence should we see to confirm that hypothesis? And they'll argue that if an all good, all knowing, all powerful God existed, then you shouldn't see evil. But we do see evil in in uh, in the world. Therefore, it's a failed hypothesis. It's an incorrect hypothesis. Oftentimes, what they'll say is when you look at the uh, the suffering in the world that animals uh, experience and that humans experience, they'll argue that this is exactly what you should expect to see if you think the world is ran by and, and explainable only in terms of the blind, random, natural processes, right? The indifferent laws, physical laws of nature are the, the biggest game in town. Therefore, really, the existence of humanity, the existence of life, and everything on the earth is just the product of these blind, random, natural processes, right? So they say when, when you have a world like that, that's just you just expect to see suffering because suffering kind of you know plays a role in helping pe- things su- survive. But if if you know thinking of the God hypothesis, if there's an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-good God, then you wouldn't expect to see this stuff. Okay, and that might sound like a good argument on the surface, but I did want to mention something here, and, and you know we're going to be going over answers to the problem of evil, so this isn't necessarily providing a theodicy right now, but. Similar to the problem of good, I do want to point out an issue with uh, with the, this idea that the God hypothesis fails and the world we see is exactly what you would expect if it was ran by uh, blind, random uh, natural laws. The issue is that naturalism, this idea that there is no creator, there is no intelligence or or uh, all-powerful being behind the existence of the universe, naturalism, okay, is saying that basically, you know, naturalists will say, well, yeah, we, well, we explain everything that we see in terms of these natural physical laws. But here's, here's the problem, though. Uh, according to naturalism, there, was, there is no creator of the universe, right? It, maybe everything just came into being for no reason, if it if it began at all, uh, or maybe the universe is eternal, but the universe doesn't exist for some reason, and it wasn't created by some being. So, what if if that's the case, then the universe has no purpose, right? Everything is meaningless ultimately. 
um, we're here for no reason. And uh, eventually, you know, maybe the universe is just going to reach universal heat death and all this will have been for naught. But the, the biggest point is that it's all blind, random, and natural, right? And what I wanted to point out is that the problem with this is that it doesn't make any predictions as to what kind of universe you're going to find. If, if there is no purpose to it, if it's all blind, random, then any, any universe that you see would be a universe predicted by naturalism. Does that make sense? It, naturalism doesn't really predict any specific universe. It's uh, The best a naturalist can do is look at it like a, a inference to the best explanation. You know, because... And, and, I've, and I've seen uh, scholars uh, in science admit this. Naturalism doesn't predict what kind of universe you're going to see. Because it's blind, because it's random natural processes, it doesn't predict what you're going to see. So what we see isn't exactly what we expect on naturalism. What we see is compatible with naturalism, but not predicted by naturalism. Does that make sense? So you want to, you want to press that point. And in fact, you want to talk about in terms of explanatory power and in terms of uh, predictions that theism would make. Here's the thing is that, uh, you know, monotheists have, have pointed this out. And I think I'm going to mention this more two lectures from now when we talk about the Bible and evil, but monotheists have, have asked themselves, if God is infinitely perfect, why would God want to create anything in the first place? Well, they think that be, because God is infinite love, because God is infinitely loving, God doesn't want to be selfish and just keep this infinite perfection to himself. They think, you know, like God's not like if God is infinitely perfect, God doesn't want for anything. So it uh, it was actually more of an issue for theism. They were worried that uh, maybe theism was internally incoherent because uh, it wouldn't even make sense that God would want to make anything if God is infinitely powerful. You know, uh, if God is infinitely perfect and powerful and knowledgeable, then there's nothing that God could or would make or even you know to fulfill any need. God doesn't want for anything. So why would God create something? Well, they thought the solution was that since God is all loving, God would want to share that love with other uh, free will creatures, right? You you have to if you're going to share your love, you you're you're going to need to share love with other persons, and they have to have free will because you can't share love between someone that you're forcing to to share that love with you, right? You have to create uh, rational beings, uh, persons who can know and can choose to love you back. So actually, monotheism predicts that any universe that exists, since monotheists believe that God exists, they say that this actually brings up about a prediction, and it says that any universe that will exist will contain rational beings in it uh, that can know and love God. So, you know, because does that make sense? When you look at, yeah, maybe in, in, the, in regards to the question of why does evil exist, maybe that tips the scales to naturalism a little bit more. Because you would assume that a, a all good God would eliminate evil. But you want to talk about the very existence of rational beings to ask this question in the first place. The fact that we have self-aware, rational human beings in this universe. The fact that we even have life in this universe. Those two things are cosmic accidents that naturalism, for one, doesn't predict. And naturalism also uh, entails that these are highly improbable in any given universe that exists. But monotheism 
if you want to talk about it as a hypothesis, would predict that any universe that exists is going to include rational, uh, not only uh, not only life, but rational life. So I would say that if you want to look at it like a hypothesis, then then monotheism wins out. Maybe evil is in in uh, tips the scales for uh, naturalism, but when you want to talk about why does life exist in the first place, I think it highly favors the God hypothesis. So anyways, I feel like I've been running a little long, but those are some things I wanted to mention. Uh, one point that I really loved, and again, we're going to get to all the theodicies, try to mention all the ma- major answers to the problem of evil here in the next lecture, but a point that I saw in a book called Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case by Frank Turek, he has this chart that he lists, and he says, look, the problem of evil might seem really, really big, but when you think about it, and, and you know, especially listeners of this podcast and viewers of this uh, uh, these videos, you know, if you've followed all the things that we've looked at so far, you know there's a ton of evidence for God. And really, the problem of evil is the main thing that people use to try to say that God doesn't exist. Uh, so, uh, anyways, Frank has this, Frank Turek has this chart in his book. And uh, the title, sa- you know, at the top it says, Does God Exist? And it basically lists all the evidence for yes and all the evidence for no. In the yes column, it's got like over 10 things. It says the beginning of the universe, the fine-tuning of the universe, consistent laws of nature, reason and the laws of logic and mathematics, information uh, information and intentionality, like information like the genetic code and intentionality, uh, life, mind and consciousness, free will, objective morality, beauty and pleasure, Old Testament prophecy and the life and resurrection of Jesus. All of this is evidence for God's existence. And then, and then in the no column, he just has one there listed. It says evil. <laughs> so whenever you think about it, yeah, there's evil is a tough issue and it and it's, is something we have to talk about for a lot. But when you think about all the evidence for monotheism, especially the evidence for Christianity, uh, it's really, there's a ton of evidence for God and not so much evidence against God. So I just love that point that he made in that book. Well, that, that's all I had for this lecture. And we're going to close it out with our quote and our, um, and our questions for reflection. Uh, and then, yeah, like I said, in the next lecture, we are going to be talking about theodicies, all the answers to the problem of evil. So here's our quote. It's from Frank Turek in that book I mentioned, Stealing from God. He says, good reason provides all the information we need to see that the very existence of evil is a contradiction for atheism. If evil is real, then atheism is false. And uh, again, here's our questions for reflection that we gave you at the beginning. Our first question was, have you ever thought of why there is evil in the world if God is supposed to be all-powerful and all-good? Second question was, how have you dealt with this thought? And the third is, is the existence of evil just a problem for theism? Uh, those were our questions for reflection. Uh, really quick, like I do at the end of all these, I wanted to make a shout out to Southern Evangelical Seminary and Bible College. Uh, I gave most of the information in this series in a uh, class at uh, Kingdom Preparatory Academy um, uh, to juniors and seniors. But you, you can go way beyond all this information and go even deeper in all these topics that I've covered in this class. And, and one great way to do that is to go to 
uh, SES, go to Southern Evangelical Seminary and Bible College. They have in-person in courses there in uh, Matthews, North Carolina. They have online courses you can, you can get from anywhere in the world, uh, and you can get certificates, uh, bachelor's degree, master degree, master divinity, uh, master of theology, doctor of ministry, PhD. It's as little or as much as you want to do, but you can get in-depth in all of this. You can study philosophy, apologetics, theology, study the biblical languages, all that stuff. If you want to go deeper, I suggest you go to Southern Evangelical Seminary. That's where I went, and I highly recommend it. It was a great place. Also, if you are looking for a classical Christian alternative uh, to education for your kids in the Lubbock, Texas area, I recommend Kingdom Preparatory Academy. Uh, this is where, like I said, where I taught a class on Christian apologetics to juniors and seniors. Uh, it's a great school. Our, my kids go there. Uh, we love it. It's an it's a little bit different. It's a university model. So right now, my uh, third and first grader only go to school on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Tuesday and Thursday, they're, they're home, uh, doing homework at, at at home. So by the time they get to college, they're going to be very independent and already uh, be in that rhythm of only going to school parts of the week, and the, for the rest of the week, they're working on their work by themselves. And, and, and helping themselves out. It's a classical school, so they're taught how to think, not what to think. Uh, we love it. It's obviously also grounded in the Bible and a biblical worldview. So um, really great place. I, I recommend you check them out. It's a kingdomprep.org if you're looking for more information, or you can just Google it. You can give them a call, send them an email. Uh, they, we'd love to see you uh, there, and uh, uh, definitely pay to visit if you're interested. But that's it for this lecture. And uh, like I said, in the next one, we're going to be talking about answers to the problem of evil. And I hope to see you there, and I hope you have a great day.